little technical difficulties here. Brent's in his bathroom. I had to redo the, the view. And we're talking about splitboarding. As I said before in the first shot that I had to, that I screwed up is that Brett got me into uh, splitboarding, and I thank him for it because I'm not depressed anymore in the winter, which is a big deal, especially when you're in the PNW and it rains all the time. So now you can actually look at the rain as, oh, there's probably going to be snowing in the mountains, which means I can go splitboarding. So Brent, how the heck did you get into splitboarding and why do you do it? Uh, one thing on that. You ever notice when you go out splitboarding, when you go out, it's sunny up there. And when you get to town, it is foggy and cloudy. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? It's like a different, yeah. you know, time travel or something. Like the inversion. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. So you get this good weather up there. But how I got into splitboarding was. We should riding... probably, def- we should probably define what splitboarding is too. Okay. Splitboarding is, you know, basically a snowboard that splits into skis for the to be able to travel in the backcountry like backcountry skis. You put skins on the bottom of them and they're made for uphill or touring and give you access to places you couldn't go without a snowmobile or skis or probably not snowshoes i mean you could with snowshoes but you don't if you've snowshoed you know you're not going too far and too much uphill <laughs> or or too quickly or yeah too quickly yeah because you're right it gives you the buoyancy to stay above the snow because we actually got some snow here on the in the valley which is very rare but we went up to uh, this place and we had splits and we got to the top where we went to transition out of our skins and as soon as I took the ski off my foot, I sunk down into the snow like two feet, you know, just yeah. a foot. So it's a really effective tool to travel in the backcountry, especially when there's a ton of snow and super fun. It's the only way to travel in the backcountry, really. I know. In the you snow, don't yeah. See, yeah. We've all made the mistake of using snowshoes and going yeah. for a walk, but going in some of the places you're going to go on a split board or skis, just yeah. not the same. Well, and here's the thing too, is you know that you can take your skins off, you put your split board together, which basically a split board is two skis that you put together to make a snowboard, and then you can ride it down. So you're down in a third of the time it took you to get up, Yeah, you know, so you have that, that fun, that fun part, but you've been doing it for years, I believe. Yeah, I got into it after riding, just snowboarding at Mount Hood riding with the, my buddies and I'm like we gotta climb Mount Hood one day that was just a goal climb Mount Hood but I always wanted to snowboard anywhere I went so I got into it and that's that was the start it was just a goal of going up hood after seeing it so many times and seeing other climbers and skiers right. I just wanted to for me I just wanted to ride new places it's really what it came down to was driven by snowboarding and then it turned into the adventure right. of it all. That's actually a good point, right? Because splitboarding does open up way new places that I would not have never have went if it wasn't because of a, I was on a split. Be, oh, if it wasn't because I wanted to ride my splitboard, like yeah. I just went yesterday to that Ghost Ridge up by Barlow Pass, 
And I would have never, would have never been there, would have never went there if it wasn't for split boarding. So yeah, it's like one of those things that it's a gateway to open up more adventures. Plus like when hiking, I mean, I used to think hiking stopped when the weather or when the winter started or the Mm -hmm. snow flew. And now it's a way to extend your season. And it's good. We've talked about this too. Like we run a lot in the summer and this is a good, really good cross train, super good on you know uh not uh real hard on your muscles or anything like that and very it's just good cross train it doesn't it feel like it hits like different muscles in your legs yeah. too that i don't know any other way to you know hit because you're in a weird like exactly. gliding motion yeah yeah so it's uh yeah. it's got weight on your feet basically exactly and it well and it's very yeah and it's and it's almost like good for your hip flexors i would i would imagine you know, and I mean, it's, it's super low impact. So you're not, so you know how your knees feel after a big downhill or, or when we do a Whittier Ridge run and you're just, oh, but you never really feel like that with a split board ever. No. You had mentioned too, that there isn't a lot of people out in terms of there's, you know, no permit systems. Yeah. That, that's one of the best parts is the no permit systems because you can go places that during the summer are packed and you can go there during the winter and you don't see anybody that's changing a little bit now, but there's still a lot of places that are normally busy during the summer that don't have people or maybe a couple people during the winter. So you're not fighting parking or a permit or overcrowding at trails. So it's, it's, that's a really nice factor. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're at Mount Hood. <laughs> yeah. Except Mount Hood. Yeah, yeah. And but, it, yeah, it, for the most part. Yeah. You you got, you know, May, June, where it's like a combination of hiking and split boarding. So yeah. It's pretty rad. So one of the things actually, I don't know where I was going with that. I had a really good point that I was going to bring up about that. Maybe it's too early in the morning. It is it's, <laughs> actually, it's seven o'clock by the time Brent got all this shit set up. <laughs> I was planning on being up for, you know, half hour. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that I found was split boarding and to anybody that is, oh, so we should probably note that this can also be done on skis, obviously. So, and to be honest with you, skiers are, it's probably the most effective way to travel in the backcountry because snowboarding, you have to transition all your stuff. You have to, uh, you know, take your skis off. You have to remove your bindings. You have to put your board together. You have to put the bindings back on. I mean, it's actually a fairly quick process, but compared to a skier, it is less effective. So if you are thinking about doing stuff and you haven't learned how to ski or snowboard, I would totally recommend skiing. I would too. I really would. If, I, if, 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 unless you want to snowboard, then I would recommend skiing. If, right. if, if you don't care which way you're going to learn, right. go skiing. It is faster, easier. Right. Couldn't tell you cost difference. Sure, they're comparable. Sure, they are. Well, and that's something we'll get into is how kind of confusing it can be to, to jump into it. One thing I did want to touch on with why we do it is for me, now, Brent, actually, you, he does the season passes, so he's pretty taken care of, and it's a great way for him to 
hang out with the fam, doing season passes and stuff like that. I am very cheap. I don't like paying for resorts. So that's another reason why I love splitboarding. Yesterday, I went up. I got basically a hike in going up to Tom, Dick, and Harry Mountain. I then cut over to Ski Bowl, which is a resort, and went down Ski Bowl for a run. Now, given it is only a run, but I didn't have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to do that. So that is pretty cool. I will say after I've been split boarding and then I went to a resort, it felt super weird to ride a lift. <laughs> really weird. Yeah, it's definitely and, different. Uh, yeah. So that is, but the gear that you need for split boarding can be confusing. Let me tell you. I mean, I, dude, I remember texting you and I, what are pucks? <laughs> what kind of skins do I need? What is a, what board, what brand? I mean, it is a totally new world. I mean, it took me like three months to actually figure, I mean, more than that. To, well, it took me about a year to compile everything, honestly, because of COVID and the supply chain and all that type of stuff. But it was very confusing for me. Yeah. I don't know if that was crazy. the case for you. No, it was crazy to see how long it was taking your gear to show up. I've never seen anything like that. That was, it was like they were messing with you or something. Yeah, I had a ship date of the end of September, got pushed to the end of October. Then it was the end of November. Finally, I canceled the order and said, dude, I, I need to have, I actually use your wife's crampons or no, bindings. No, bindings. Oh, your bindings. bindings, yeah. Cause I could not, I could not get mine in. So I think that'll probably change by the time people start listening to this podcast, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. There's how this one thing changes. that, so split board manufacturers, they don't produce like a ton of gear because it's a very niche thing. Yeah. So you got to be on it to get your gear. I'm not sure how the offset, when I bought it, it was no problem. It, it wasn't really an issue. I was able to just, I think I've had my split board set up for six or seven years now. Right. So there right. really wasn't a ton of people. And I just bought it because I noticed it's hard to find that stuff on sale. Usually I buy all my other gear out of season and that wasn't really the case for split boarding. You mm -hmm. just have to bite the <laughs> bite down and buy it. Unfortunately. You do. And it, it do the stuff is expensive. It's, yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. It's, it's, it's expensive, but you are going to be saving money if you don't go to the resort. That's yeah. kind of how I thought about it. And you're investing money into, like I said, cross-training type stuff. And so you're not going to burn yourself out. If you're a big runner, it's a great way to stay in shape. So you're not going to burn yourself out on running and stuff like that. But essential gear that you need that I thought was confusing, number one was these things called pucks. Now pucks are basically, <laughs> there's all sorts of different pucks. It sounds like, I don't really know, but there is only a couple binding manufacturers and the bindings slide over these things called pucks. And so basically you need the right bindings to fit with the right pucks. So when you're trying to buy stuff, make sure that that is compatible. Cause I bought the wrong bindings. I had to send them back because they were not compatible with my pucks. So make sure you're, you're, when you uh, buy the bindings or you're before you buy the bindings, ask them what pucks they work with, whatever. Uh, 
crampons are a big one. I want to hold on on the bindings thing. Uh-huh. So you've had a you had you had a weird experience. When I bought my bindings, they came with pucks. See, that was cool. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, I've had I've been writing the voile bindings. Same with my wife, and I give them a shout out because they've been a great brand. And when I had an issue with something, I can't remember. Customer service just hooked me up and sent me the part. So voile is one of the originals in the split board world so them and yeah. sparks that's everybody's kind of jumping in now it's getting bigger but those two have been around so yeah my my bindings now are actually burton bindings but they collaborated with sparks i think and yeah so yeah interesting now one you mentioned volet volet I'm not sure if it's, I always, voile, V-O-I-L-E, I I believe. Yeah, one thing that I realized that you need, and that I now always take into the backcountry with me, this is something that people should pick up, are called the volé straps. Basically, Mm. it's to strap, if a binding breaks, like mine did, coming down hood. My buddy, that Jason guy, actually had a volley strap, and we actually had to. My toe strap broke. Couldn't couldn't buckle it. I was at the hot. I mean, I was at the Devil's Kitchen, dude. I had a five thousand foot descent down, and I didn't have a toe strap. And he rigged it to with the strap and put it over my toe. And so apparently, these things are like the OGs and MVPs of fixing your gear if they break. If it breaks, so volley yeah. straps are something really good to have. What else should we get? You should definitely get crampons, especially if you're in the PNW. You're going to be doing a lot of traveling on hard, crunchy ground, and it makes the biggest difference because it sucks falling. When you're Mm -hmm. going up and you fall on ice, you're sliding down 10, 20 feet, and you got skis on your feet, basically, and if you're not wearing gloves, you're getting scraped up by the ice. Oh, that's the worst. Dude. You're already doing something that's hard. Who wants to right. fall when they're doing something that's hard? You know. Yeah, and then you have to remake your progress. It's like falling when you're on the wall on climbing when someone doesn't belay you. <laughs> and you have to reclimb that 10 feet or whatever. Yeah, no, I I, I think that you're, you're going to need crampons because there's not a lot of Maybe up in northern Washington, you're going to get into some more touring. But if you're getting a split board, you you want a snowboard. So you're going to be climbing vertically. You're yeah. going to need crampons. And you get into spring season, you definitely need them. So yeah. it just, that that's one, a gimme that I think you need to pick up with this set. Now, typically, if you need, so he's talking about crampons that you put underneath your bindings for your skis right yeah Yeah, so but you should probably also bring if you're going to be bringing that kind of crampon you should probably also bring boot crampons because you're probably going to have to boot pack at some point yep and brent actually saved us when we went up to mount bailey and he told me to bring crampons (laughs) boot crampons i'm like no dude anyways we ended up bringing them and that was the only way we could have summited it's kind of it's tough in the in the winter because you just don't know the the conditions are pretty variable. But um, now you're gonna, you're gonna need to get. Are we good on crampons? I yeah. think everybody. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on skins real quick. 
there you got two different kinds of skins you got nylon versus mohair you and then you have a mixed skin i would recommend going either for your first setup going nylon or mixed nylon is gonna give you more traction mohair is good for touring purposes but again going uphill is the hardest part so for me i i just have nylon ones because i hate falling and i like to make that uphill travel as easy as possible they do when you're trying to glide though i mean they stick there is no glide in my nylons which that's a trade-off but for learning and beginners I, i would recommend going the nylon route because there's just you get comfortable moving on your split board. It's hard. It's a learning curve. It is, especially when you're trying to do kick turns. Absolutely. On switchbacks. But I actually was practicing yesterday. I actually never fell. It was fun. Quick but it is, it, yeah, but it is a different, but goddamn, dude, that time we're on top <laughs> and Harry and I was stuck in the same spot for about 15 minutes and could not get up. I was so mad. So mad. But yeah, it is. It's 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 a technique. It's definitely a technique. But the other thing you need, this is another investment that you're gonna have to make is Abby gear. Yep. Yep. You're gonna have to get the transceiver. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. No, nothing. Nothing is cheap about this. It's not, but it's necessary. Yeah. You don't want to be. If you're not going to take the time to learn about the snow and avalanche and all the risks and read the reports, you just need it anyways. Those guys have them. The people that know carry them. So yeah. you, you need one. I, I honestly didn't carry one for a while, but I was mostly only it's going solo. in the spring. So yeah. And, and if you're going solo, it doesn't do you. I don't want to say it doesn't do you any good because someone could see you. Right. But a lot of times I've gone out solo and there's been no one there. So what's the point of packing extra weight? So one thing that I I actually did yesterday, because that's a good point. I didn't bring my Abbey gear with me up to TDH. But when I came down to the parking lot, I actually kept it in my vehicle in case I met somebody in the parking lot, which I did, who also had a transceiver. So something about these transceivers is that they doesn't matter what brand you have. They pick up the same frequency and... So generally what you do is before you start going into the avalanche train, you link them up, seek and transceive, make sure they link up. And then that is the way that you would find someone if they are buried. So, yeah. But other than that, yeah, you have the transceiver, you have the shovel and then, and it is extra weight. It sucks, but necessary. No. A lot of people will take that avalanche that, what the A-A-I-R-E the airy yeah so that is that's something another thing to invest in i actually what i did was i read the staying alive in avalanche train twice yeah (laughs) that book's awesome i i mean i have heard people say that it's actually way more information and more detailed than the the class but the class gives you the hand-on thing of like these snow pits and stuff like that so that might be something i want to we have a guide that we know pretty well, so I might have him actually just maybe show us that type of stuff. But yeah, Which, and, I, and I think if uh, there's so many ways to learn nowadays, 
it just depends on the person and how much effort they're going to put in, but you got to do something. Yeah. You, yeah. Oh yeah. You need to put some effort into either take, if you want to just take the class, take the class. It's, you know, I hear it's a great class. If you want to read this book and do some YouTube and right. you can find the information. Right. Yeah. And then you got to apply it. You're always digging snow pits. You're always practicing. Dude, I, so yesterday, I don't think I sent you this picture. I sent it to Josh. He didn't text me back though. I wonder if he's mad because we didn't go through with that guiding expedition with him. Well, Well, sorry, dude. It's like two grand, bro. Two grand. Frick, man. I got people I can teach that can teach me this stuff for free. (laughs) 2K or free. I don't know. So anyway, I, I, dude, so it was actually super interesting. I got to send you this picture, but I dug this little hand pit, right? And I pulled on it and it pulled pretty easily. Like, remember when we were on Tom, Dick and Harry and I, it like took forever and it was like, just this like glot, like it, it seemed pretty stable when we were up there, but on this one, I pulled it and it came out pretty fast and it was like five inches of ice, mm. just this like five inch slab of ice. Right. And underneath it, I turned it over to look at the crystals underneath it. And it looked like there's those things called facets that are basically like these little, little round balls that basically are between two slabs and it allows one slab to move if there's a trigger point. And so I texted Josh, I like kind of put it in my hand or whatever, asking him if if these were facets and he didn't text me back. So (laughs) I don't know if they are or not, but so yeah, it's kind of interesting. Anyway. Best seasons to go, man. I, I've learned the hard way with this one. Yeah, I, I think right. everyone, everyone will learn that winter is a little less controllable. You could think you're looking at the weather report and you're like, yeah. "Oh, it's going to snow twelve inches, eighteen well, it's inches." It's going to be sunny. Yeah, and you're going to go. You're going to let it, you know, stabilize. Say it snows eighteen inches on Wednesday. Okay, it'll be good to go Friday, Saturday. You get up there and it's just ice and you're like, what's going on? Oh, I didn't look at the wind. It was 40, 50 mile per hour wind. This is all windblown, blue ice, chicken heads. Like it just, it's uncontrollable. And unless you have a bunch of protected areas, like up North down here in Oregon, there's not a lot of protected areas. Usually it's all at the base of a mountain and then it's all exposed. So it's getting hit by the wind. Yeah. There's not a lot of good down low stuff. From what, you know, my experience. Yeah, and the Abbey reports usually denote that. And so they always are sending in pictures and stuff, which is super helpful Yeah, before you go out. So always consult that. But yeah, man, winter versus spring. Spring is definitely better conditions. And it's actually lower Abbey risk because the snowpack settles basically water percolates through when it starts melting and it settles all of the slabs rather than in winter you have a bunch of different slabs on top of one another and it doesn't really melt so it doesn't have a chance to become one giant like solid snowpack right so and i had you know mount mclaughlin is something i always bring up but that was something that i had no idea about avalanches or anything or windblown snow or anything this was supposed to be a total non-technical climb but it turned into a pretty technical climb for me because it was just pure ice and windblown and sun crust and dude it was like if i made one wrong move i was sliding down that entire mountain and so yeah and that was in the winter right and so i totally see why 
Brett was always telling me spring is better. I mean, and they say that with hood too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not so much, it just, unless you can go any day, like Tuesday is going to be the day to go. You need a lot of flexibility during the winter for winter activities, just because you rely so heavily on the weather where you get into spring, you'll be all right being a weekend warrior. It's going to, it's going to come around. Right. I personally, the times I've gone in the winter, like when we did TDH on my birthday, God, that was amazing. Those were some yeah. solid conditions. So right. to repeat Very those, solid. we haven't seen those conditions happen again. No. And that's no, a low, low level area where it might only get a couple powder days in a season because it just oh. stays warm down there. So you're getting a lot of spring or ice, depending on how warm it gets. Now, that's one thing, too, that I learned this year is the fact that when the temperatures warm up, you get what's called corn snow. And it's basically super kind of slushy snow, but easy to turn in and actually really, really fun to ride. Oh, the best. I like it. It, I love it. It's next to powder. It really is. I like it more. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, I told said that on another podcast, but... I get all, I get chastised, but dude, I like it. It's easier for me to ride. I don't know. So yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. It's almost, it's like riding powder with a little less effort because it's not deep. Right. But you can get all your edges. I always tell people that's how they should learn to snowboard or ski is during the spring. Soft. and yeah. Yeah. You don't get cold. So let's talk about spring. Then the only advice I have for spring is you got to start early. Because nine, 10 o'clock, depending how high you go up. Now, if you're on top of a volcano, you got a little bit more time, but even then it gets too sticky. You know, 11 o'clock noon, it might be done for the day. 10 o'clock, maybe, depending how late in the spring you are, it's completely done. It's, you're not even moving. You're just sticking. Mm-hmm. And well, what do you always, you always hear me talking about this. You have to pack rub on wax. And it mm-hmm. seems to even more in the spring, there's times like when I forget my wax and I take my skins off and I'm like, ur, ur, ur. oh, it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. You need to have wax, but you're going to get access. All the roads are going to open up and there's a lot of different areas in the Northwest for split boarding once spring gets here. Dude, I can't wait. I cannot no. wait. The other thing is too, starting early is the wet, loose avalanches. So if, mm-hmm. the, if the snowpack isn't consolidated into that one solid form, the abbeys can run when it starts warming up and it's kind of going through that process. And we saw that on middle sister when we had summited, we were coming down and you look up and off of the real, one of the real steep faces, you saw one let loose in the afternoon. And I think people have, and I kind of did too, this, you know, this, this type of feeling that it's warm, it's sunny, you're in a good mood, nothing bad's going to happen, kind of lulls you into this complacency. And so, but that's actually, you know, and at, at different aspects of the mountain, I was reading in that, in that book, like some aspects consolidate quicker than others. So, and it's just a process in the spring. So kind of moves from one aspect to the other, to the other, to the other, one becomes safer, the other one starts sliding. So just something to know where to go 
in the PNW, where are good places to split? All the volcanoes. <laughs> yeah. They I mean, are. Hood's good. It's easy access. There's lots of other little places. It depends on how far you want to pack your board, too. St. Helens is fun. Adams. Adams is really, really good. And it's... Yeah, we're getting... You're going to get up there the first weekend it opens, the road finally opens. It'll be a party up there, bunch of people. Every, you know, like we always talk about, everybody in the mountains, especially climbing, split boarding, backcountry skiing, they're all pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. So you're going to find some people to yeah. climb with. When I did Adams, I ended up climbing with this uh, husband and wife. And it, was, it made it fun because that is a long trek to do in a day. Right. But right. worth it. Adams is, that was the best run I had that year. And that was the first week of June and it was just all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a good place for someone to start is probably going to the top of Palmer. Super low yeah. consequence. Your timberline's right there. It's just maybe a mile up. I don't even know what that would be. It's pretty much groomed. Yeah. I mean, you get pretty much got a groomed area there. And if something goes wrong, I mean, it's a great way to fix your stuff and come right back down to the parking lot. Super low consequence. But then after that, you know, going up to the devil's kitchen and then volcanoes are great. I mean, honestly, like you were saying, you always encourage people to go up to the devil's kitchen on hood and then take that ride down. Dude, that is one of the best ones I've been. And it's a long run. It's like a 5,000 foot descent. So Mm -hmm. you're on it for 25, 20, 25 minutes or so. And, pretty, I, pretty and I would recommend that during the spring. Hood, hood can be really finicky because it's like just open face. Yeah. Just be aware of the wind up there and what the weather's done a couple days before. You might, like I said, you'll see snow, but you'll get up there and there's no snow. It's right. ice and can be dangerous. Right. Yep. So what do you have for hacks? hacks let's see uh well uh, the my favorite was watching you put together your split board the first few times and struggling so inefficient so oh my gosh so, so you, inefficient you want to run through the best way to do it yeah so brent finally <clears throat> dude <laughs> so when you get a split board what are, i mean you kind of do everything it, what seems natural or, or like the way to do it. And so how I thought I was supposed to put my split board together was just set it down on the snow, smush it together, lock in everything in place. The problem with that is that you oftentimes have unlevel ground. So it's hard to line everything up to smack it together. So Brent finally said, dude, just hold it up in the air in front of you and put it together like a puzzle. And dude, I, I mean, pro, I mean, 10 times faster. I mean, okay. dude, I have struggled with putting it together on the ground. It was, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Actually, the guy I was with yesterday, Kevin, he said that he went out with a split boarder who's actually, he was a really good snowboarder, but it was his first time snowboarding and he, or split boarding rather. And he said that <laughs> it took him so long to do everything transition, you know, cause that's the, one of the biggest things you have to get fast at transitioning. Yep. So that, and standing the board up, putting it together is one of the pieces of the puzzle to that. I think uh, what goes with that too, is 
you might do it at your house the first time and it works laying it on flat ground because it's flat. There's no, you're not going to get that. And well, let's talk about that. When you are going to transition Find and you ground. see like, it's really important to pick the right spot because it sucks to be on the side of something stuck on the, stuck on an incline and you kind of got to dig yourself out. And if the snow sucks, you can't. Now you're on an incline transitioning with all your gear that could fall down the mountain. Which so, does have, I've all, yes. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about how much gear I've, I've lost. I've, I've lost my helmet in the same situation because I had everything sat there. I couldn't dig out enough and it just slid, gone. Yep. I'm like, oh yeah, see ya. So I think it's really important to think about where you're going to transition. Like, know the conditions know like uh, if we get up that we might get stuck on that maybe we should just transition now and pack the rest it's just one of those things because those for until you get good at it and you've done it a few times it's clunky it's hard and you want to make your experience as good as possible you don't want to go out and have a bad experience i my first time i went out was terrible i was like i don't know if i'm not into this that's why it's great to go with a mentor because even on the first day that we went and we went up to the hogs back, you being with you, I, I learned stuff that day that yeah. just like, just like regular stuff, like how to put my, like which way to put or which foot to put, which ski on, which yeah. is kind of the opposite in, in split boarding. So going with a mentor is huge. You'll learn a lot from that. I mean, just, and then the other times that I've went with you, one thing I actually learned online was how and i actually did this yesterday it was sick dude it was it was pretty sick so i learned from that xavier de la rue so when you're you get to the top and you want to take your skins off right so i actually what i do is i actually pull my foot up in the air and i stick my or no no no. i pull my foot back and i grab the the tail of the skin Uh and then i rip it off right and then I stand my ski in the ground and then I, I'm still standing and doing this whole thing. And then I rip my skin off and then I put it together. I know you don't like putting it together. You like to put your skin savers on, but one, so you can do that, or you can actually just stick your skins together and then put them back into your pack. But yeah, it was super easy. Dude, it was a sick transit. You got to balance a little bit. It takes a little bit. You get used to, but it was super cool. I see skiers do that all the time because they, you know, they don't want to take it. It makes sense off. for them. Yeah, 100%. But it does look, you look like a ballerina or something. I've, I've honestly it. never put my skins together. So I'm not against it. I just have never done it because I have yeah, my no. own skin savers. But so I'm like, right. why not use them? But maybe I should. Maybe I'm just well, wasting the only, time. Well, it does make sense. Like if you're only doing one run, it makes sense to just use your skin savers and do it. That's true. true. But if you're, if you're lapping something, which lapping just means you get to the bottom of something and then you have to transition back, go back up and then come back down. Right. It does make sense to leave your skins back. So you don't have an extra thing that you have in your pack and then just sticking your skins together and then just pulling them apart. As long as you don't store your skins like that is what I've read is, is it's fine. It's just, if it's for the day or whatever, it's fine. Yeah. I haven't had any issue with it, but good. Good. No. Other than that, yeah, I had the volet straps on on my notes, but we already we already went over that. 
I think. But dude, splitboarding, I will say, is like I said, rev- it has revolutionized my winter travel, and it's so fun. Yeah, highly you recommend. Know, I think there's little peaks too that we're gonna go do that we might not go do without the idea of being able to splitboard on it without without snowboarding on it. Like there's some peaks that I know that are on the list where I'm like, I wouldn't go and trail run those probably because there's mm-hmm. better areas or I don't know if that's the right word because everywhere's fun but they're just not peaks that I would care to go trail run there's other peaks I'd go run or climb right, right. during the summer right right so but there's it's a lot more to check out on a split board because it's like well that would be sick to ride down and gives you a different view different perspective just opens up your possibilities of places to explore it's another tool it's another key to open up different areas that you would never have gone if you weren't splitboarding. Cause why the heck would we go up to broken top <laughs> ski the nine o'clock cooler or snowshoe it? I mean, that would make no sense. Right. Yeah. But because you now have this tool it now opens up way more possibilities yeah. and access. So, but the best thing that, you know what, you know, what actually is better than splitboarding is subscribing to this podcast and leaving it a review <laughs> and a five-star rating a five-star rating maybe yeah. even six i mean if there was six stars i would give it a six-star rating too yeah maybe leave a review that it'd be nice for them to add a six star just for this podcast literally just for this podcast <laughs> literally just for this podcast so all right toodaloo all right. later